Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I feel the presence of God in the place, and we need the presence of God to do the work that God wants to do. The oil is, is what keeps the engine running in the life of the believer. And so his oil is in the room, and I, can, I, just, I just can sense something happened to you last week. How many were grateful to receive the oil of consecration? How many brought those vessels home and anointed their homes? That's awesome. And if not, if you still uh, haven't been anointed, want to be anointed, or, or receive the vessel uh, of anointing, you can come down right after service every single Sunday. We're not only going to pray for people at the altar, but we're going to anoint people with oil at the altar. And so uh, there's always going to be communion, and there's always going to be oil available at the altar every single Sunday because God moves and works and delivers every single Sunday. Can you say amen? Today we are in a series called The Presence Driven Life. And I believe that the purpose of our lives is the presence of God. This is what we had in the garden, what we lost through the fall, but Jesus restored through his death, burial, and resurrection to us. And we're going through the different elements, different symbols, the different uh, spiritual aspects that God has given to us as his people to encounter to engage with the presence of God. And so last week, uh, we started with the place, but then last week we spoke about the oil. But today, I wanna talk to you about the water. More specifically, I wanna talk to you about the water of deliverance. The water of deliverance. In scripture, water represents salvation and sanctification. Water represents purity, and water represents presence. And today, I want to focus in on one of the things that water represents, which is deliverance. And I want to tell you the story that I'm sure that you are familiar with of when Israel was brought out of Egypt through the Red Sea as God delivered his people. But know that what that is a foreshadow of, a type, a picture of, is that we are his people brought out of Egypt out of the land of slavery, sin, bondage, and oppression, through the waters of baptism, into the promised land, which is the kingdom of God. And so it was for them, but it is for us. It was for then, but it is for now. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's uh, let's take a look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Moses, at this moment in his life, is a Bedouin in the backside of the desert. He has left his life of privilege with Pharaoh in Egypt, and he is now a shepherd. And he sees a famous moment in history. He sees a a bush that's in the distance that's burning it, not consumed. And when he comes forward towards it, God lets him know you are in a sacred place. You are on holy ground. Because there is such a thing as sacred place and holy ground. And I want you to know today you are in a sacred place and you are on holy ground. And there is something about when God's presence comes and dwells and abides. He not just makes his people holy, he makes every place they step their foot holy as well. And so God speaks to Moses through the burning bush and he says, it is time for my people to come into freedom. And I am going to send someone because God doesn't work abstractly. He works through people, he works in places, and he works at times. There are seasons and there are moments of God's presence. We call those revivals. We call those renewals. We call those reformations. But really, they are the times of God moving 
and reawakening. And so God says to Moses, now is the time and I'm gonna rescue my people and I'm gonna use you. And of course, Moses doesn't think that he's capable of it because nobody does. Everyone thinks that they are incapable of being used by God, but I thank God that God doesn't choose based off of our capability, based off of our skills, our talents, our background. God chooses whom he chooses, and he doesn't apologize for whom he chooses. And I want you to know, I believe that God has chosen you at this time, in this place, and this church to do mighty things in this region, and yes, even this nation. You are a part of a great thing. Can you say amen? And so God's speaks to Moses, and this is what he says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them. Today, I want to talk to you about deliverance. The waters of deliverance. God says, I will come to deliver them. And know this, the process of deliverance always begins in the presence of God. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Where are you? You are in my presence. And what do I have to do? What do I have to say? I have come to say, I will deliver them. Where the enemy intends to destroy God intervenes to deliver. When the enemy intends to steal and kill, God comes to save and sanctify. And it is my hope that we as a church, God's people, that we would be people that see God heal, cleanse, and deliver in the name of Jesus. May we see it every Sunday. May we see it in our homes May we see it at work in our life because of the presence of God. Let's pray. God, right now we ask for your presence to just rest on this room. And God, we want our minds awakened. We want our spirits awakened. And God, we are ready to even, those of us that are Christians, we are ready to receive our marching orders, God, to realign our life with the truth of your word. So will you come, Lord God, and just show us who you are from a brand new perspective. And I pray today, everyone under the sound of my voice receives a measure of deliverance. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen. God comes to Moses and he says these three things. He says, I have seen their afflictions, I have heard their cry, and I know their sufferings. This is what you need to know about God. God sees the need. He always sees the need. He is not distant. He is not blind. He is not unaware. God sees the need. And you must know this even further. God will never ignore a cry for deliverance. God will never ignore a cry for deliverance. And maybe you are in this place, and whether you've said this with your mouth or said it in your mind, but maybe it's just a cry for your heart that you are crying for deliverance. And maybe you even feel at moments like God has grown distant. Maybe you feel like he's no longer heard. For 300 years, the Israelites were under the oppressive boot of the Egyptians. And for 300 years, they must have asked, where is the God of Abraham? 
Where is the God of Isaac? Where's the God of Jacob? Where's the God of Joseph? They saw him. Why can't we? Where is he for me? I've heard of others seeing miracles. I've heard the stories, but what about for me? I've, 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 I've heard of others have radical encounters with God and his presence, but what about me? You must know this about God. God. God sees, God knows, and God will draw close. Always, always. And he will always hear the cry of your heart. Certainly will hear the cry from your lips. And if you're here and you're asking yourself, well, where is God? Where is he in this situation? Where, where was he in that moment? Please know this. I believe that God has sent me as a messenger to you today. And he has three things to speak to you. He says, I have seen, I have heard, and I know. I know. See, that third part's so powerful because maybe other people can see and hear, but they can't know. God says, I've seen, I've heard, but I know. I know your suffering, I know affliction, I know addiction, I know struggle, I know exactly what you're going through. I know where you're coming from, I know where you're going to. I know the reasons and the intricacies, I know the cause and the consequence. I know, I know, I know. You serve a God that empathizes. You serve a God that comes close. You serve a God that loves. You serve a God that is not distracted. You serve a God that comes right into the middle of your situation. And please hear me, when the enemy wants to come and say he's not around. He can't hear. He is far. Today, I'm going to put that lie to bed. God came to Moses, and so he comes to you in his presence, and he says, you are on holy ground, and I am here to tell you one thing. I know. I know what you're going through. I know the struggle of your heart, of your mind, of your spirit. I'm here to tell you today, he is not an absent father. He is not a long way off. Our heavenly father is paying close attention to his children. I mean, can you imagine a good father's response when a child has a nightmare and cries out? He jumps out of bed and he runs to the child. How much more a heavenly father has a response when you are living in a nightmare? When you say, God, I, I need help. Does he stay distant and say someone else will figure it out? He says, this is my child who I bought with my blood and I birthed through baptism. And he gets up and sends his spirit from heaven to come and comfort, to come and relieve, to come and fix and reform. God is not absent. He is close to his people. He will respond. He will respond. But I think the problem that we face in our lives, I think the problem is we have opened doors. In fact, I think we are in a generation of open doors. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that this hasn't happened throughout history, because it has. There have been times and seasons and cultures that have opened doors that should have never been touched. But we are in a generation that, that is a generation of open doors. And what we accept as uh, normal is actually spiritual evil that has been normalized. And, 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 so, and so all around us is open doors and maybe even through our ignorance, foolishness, sin, we have open doors ourselves, especially when it seems that everyone else has done it without consequence. But we know that there is always cost, there is always consequence to sin. 
The wages of sin ultimately is death. God comes to Adam and says, you can do whatever you want, but don't touch the fruit of the garden because you will surely die. And he experienced spiritual death and ultimately physical death. There are consequences when you open doors that should not be opened and should not be touched. And the reality is we have a generation of people that are crying out like the Israelites. We have a generation of people that are afflicted, that are in bondage, that are oppressed, that don't know what to do because they have opened doors and they have submitted their lives under pharaohs, under false kings and false authorities. And they've done this by opening doors in three main areas, and there are many, but these are the uh, three main that I see. Substances, sexual activity, and the spiritual realm. And, and some of the things we didn't even know we were getting into, and our friends were all into it, and you were at a party, and stuff happened, but you have opened these doors, and now you do not know how to get them shut again. And you feel bound, and you feel guilty, and you feel shamed, and you feel darkness because something entered in through those doors that you are unprepared to handle. But I've got good news for you today. Those things do not have true and final authority. There is a good God that will come to his people, and if you will cry out, he will answer. He is not a long way off. He is a good, true, heavenly father. He is not absent, and know this, he is not weak. Baal is weak. The false gods are weak, but he is the God who answers in fire. He is the God that shows up for the nation. He is the God that rescues cities. He is the God that changes your children. He is a good, good, good father. Know that he hears you today. He says to you today, I have seen, I heard, I know, I know. But the best news is he will not leave you in Egypt if you want out. He sends a deliverer. He sends a shepherd. He sends a helper. And this helper will begin to help you reclaim jurisdiction over your mind, over your body, and over your spirit. Those three open doors that I mentioned correlate to these three areas. Your mind, many times overtaken by substances. Your body, engaged in activity it should not have been. And your spirit, engaged in a false spiritual realm. But God has the final authority. And what you cannot reclaim by your will, God has already reclaimed by his blood. And so we plead the blood of Jesus over our mind, over our body, and over our spirit. The Bible says that you are redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Totally taken back, totally forgiven, totally changed by the blood of Jesus. Today I'm speaking about deliverance. And if you need deliverance, you are in the right place. And you serve the right God. And I feel that now is the right season for you to chase after it and reclaim jurisdiction over who you are. It's interesting. I've had multiple people uh, say the same thing to me over the past few weeks. And whenever that happens, a pattern happens, I always wonder, is God speaking here? I've had multiple people bring up Halloween decorations in people's homes to me. It's a random subject, but they've all said the same thing. They said, have you noticed that it seems like the decorations are getting darker and, and there, there's more of them than, than ever? And I gotta be honest with you, I haven't noticed. <laughs> I, did, I started noticing a couple years ago when my little son started pointing it all out. 
Micah is a little prophet, and he's in, into the spiritual realm, so we're trying to get him into the realm of light and not darkness, you know? But whenever God starts saying stuff like that, or, or people, I, I say, God, are you, are you saying something to me right now? You know, I just thought it was so interesting, and interesting even that I'm preaching the sermon on this day. Only the Holy Spirit would know. I, I, didn't, I didn't plan this, speaking on deliverance in this weekend. But isn't it interesting that, that, you know, as the world grows darker, number one, Christians see it, they sense it more. I think we're, maybe we're getting more sensitive. But I, I find it so powerful when, when they put out these let's call it decor of darkness, and, and allow that to permeate their home, we send the oil of gladness back home with the people of God. And we say, go ahead, consecrate your home, consecrate your front yard, your backyard, your basement, your attic, every window, every door. And what are we doing? We are saying our home and our children will join the kingdom of light. And how do we do that? Through the process of deliverance. And know this, the process may not be simple. It may not always be easy. It may not always come quickly. But through Christ, the process of deliverance will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. It will be finished. It will be done. You will get fullness of deliverance through Jesus. And so today I would propose to you that every single Christian should seek God's deliverance in their life. You should seek God's deliverance in your life. You should seek it fully. You should seek it with passion and, and be unashamed in it. And, and, and sometimes we don't. We don't because, because, and I'm not quite sure how to word this, but I feel like sometimes we don't seek deliverance because if we did, we'd have to admit an area of need or even an area of defeat, of shame or guilt. And, and, and because we don't want to do that, because we're Christians, we should always be good. We should be all ready. You know, we serve God. Well, what? I got saved once. I prayed one prayer. I should be set apart and I'm still struggling though. I'm still, I'm still dealing with stuff. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still under the boot of Egypt. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still in bondage. I'm still working through issues. I shouldn't be. And, and, and because of that lie, it's really a lie. It's a lie. It's a religious lie. A religious lie of the enemy. You are saved, therefore you should be good. No, you are saved, but you need help. But sometimes we don't seek deliverance because we are afraid of how it would appear. Afraid of the appearance. The appearance. The, the, we're afraid to come to the altar and tell someone, I need prayer here. Specifically. Because we pray with people every Sunday. I can't tell you how many people I'll pray with. I'll say, what can I pray? Just, you know, just life. <laughs> you know, there's issues. Well, what issues? Just stuff. Pray specifically. Get specific answers. Pray generally. Get general answers. But I think sometimes we, we don't want to admit deficiency. That's the word I'm looking for. We don't want to admit deficiency. And so we stop God's ability to bring deliverance. Because deliverance comes to need. And need given to God. So because we don't want to admit deficiency, many times we move into an area of pretending. I'm good, I'm glad, I'm happy. I'm up, I'm making stuff happen. When in reality, there's turmoil underneath. Mind, body, spirit, turmoil underneath. But if you 
if you live in that pretending area long enough, soon you begin to deny your deficiency and you never end up getting deliverance. You deny your deficiency. You live in a false reality. You portion that area off and you, you forget that it's even there. You pretend that it's even now, now, we know it's there because you can't portion anger off without it coming out stronger and stronger every time. And as much as you try and push that dragon back into the dark, it grows in the dark. The mildew of bitterness grows in the dark. Unforgiveness gains strength and its roots go deep in the dark. You must bring it into the light so that it can be exposed, cut down, the blood of Jesus applied, and you walk into brand new life. And so I'm trying to even set you free today to say, to say it's okay to admit deficiency in pursuit of deliverance. Say, here's some areas I'm working on. Maybe you talk to your crew, maybe you come down to the altar, but certainly you come before God and you say, God, I'm crying out. Because he sees and he hears and he knows but you've got to ask. When Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, this is the model of how to pray. What did he say? He said, every time that you pray, make sure you say, Father, lead me not into temptation and every time we're praying, Jesus says, pray for deliverance. Christians should seek deliverance. This isn't just for them or back there. This is for us and now. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, God, deliver me again. Deliver my mind again. Deliver my emotions again. Deliver my urges again. Deliver my future again. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. Over and over and over, Jesus says, cry out for deliverance because it moves the hand of the Almighty. David met this deliverer. And he tells us in the Psalm, he says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He met him when he came up against the giant. He met him when he was in the cave. He met him when he was on the run for his life. He met this aspect of God, this character of God. And my question is, have you met this side of God? Have you engaged in this side of God? Because maybe you only know as God as Savior, and that's so good, but the next step is to know him as Deliverer. The name is Jehovah Mephalti, the Lord, my Deliverer. Have you met this God? Moses met him. Moses met him in the wilderness, and God reveals himself to Moses. And what does he say? He says, Moses, it's time. It's time. You've been wandering long enough. Your people have been broken long enough. They've been crying out long enough. Moses, it's time. And there are seasons where God wants to move in the realm of deliverance for his people. Do you remember the first thing Jesus said at the start of his ministry? He opens up the scroll, reads the book of Isaiah, and he says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me, and he's appointed me to set the captives free, to bring sight to the blind, to relieve the oppressed, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. What was Jesus saying? It's time. It's time for things to change and it's time for deliverance to come. And, and, and the good news is that God sends a deliverer. God says, I have come down to deliver them because the reality is deliverance always comes to the desperate. 
comes to the desperate. If you could take it or leave it, deliverance isn't for you. But deliverance always comes for the desperate. And, and, and it's so powerful that God says, I have come down to deliver them. Yes, he delivers through Moses, but Moses is not the deliverer. God is the deliverer. Please hear me. A person cannot deliver you. A marriage cannot deliver you. You say, well, I thought everything would change when I got married. No, one person cannot deliver another. Money could not deliver you. If you got millions upon millions, it would not be your deliverance. It cannot deliver you. Only God, Jehovah, can deliver you from you. Body, mind, and spirit. But you have to know this, that God will respect your will. He will not force himself upon you. He won't force himself in any area. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He asks permission. And, and, and so God God is waiting to see if your will will come into alignment so he can begin his work. And so if you don't want it, God won't force it. Do you remember when Jesus came to the man of the pool of Bethesda? He was sitting there 40 years, and, and, and he was just never healed. And remember what Jesus asked him? He said, do you want to be healed? It seems almost, if it wasn't Jesus asking this question, it seems almost like a foolish question. Why would you ask someone if they wanted to be healed? And he does this multiple times. Do you want to be healed? It's like, what? But can I tell you, not everybody wants to be healed. Some people have allowed their deficiency to become their identity. Some people like the feeling of being a perpetual victim. Some people like the attention that comes with not being enough, not having enough, not walking in fullness. See, the reality is a miracle, even free, will cost you something. Because it will cost you now a new level of responsibility. When Jesus says, take up your mat and walk, that means you can't stay here anymore. You have to move from this place now. When the Spirit of God began to lift, when he was walking people through the desert, when the, when the cloud of fire lifted, what was God saying? It's time to move. And if you stay in the desert, you're going to die in the desert. But if you walk with me, we're going to continue to walk in new, newness of life. Please hear me. You have a part to play, even in the miraculous working of the Almighty. God asks you, do you want to be healed in your mind? Because if you do, you're going to have to let go of bitterness. If you do, you're going to have to let go of forgiveness. I'll heal you from that situation, but you can't keep bringing it up. I'll move you out of that situation, but you're going to have to say, I'm sorry as well. God said, I'll move you into a new area. I'll give you new relationships, but you're going to have to let the old ones go. You're going to have to actually forgive your parents. You're going to actually have to stop talking about that old boss. You're going to actually have to, and here's the different one, let go of the hurt. Because the reality is many times hurt, like many spirits, can, can trick you into accepting it as a friend when really it's a foe. And God says, I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to set you free, but do you want to be healed? And this is a, this is a question of the will that everyone's going to have to face. And what was the man's response he said, well, I've got no one here to help me. He said, I've got no man to put me in the water. I want to be healed, but I've got no ability. 
And that's true, but he didn't know. What did Pontius Pilate say when he brought Jesus up? He says, behold the man. He said, I have no man, but the man has come. He said, I have no one to put me in the water, but the water has come. Jesus says, I am the living water. You don't need some superstitious hocus pocus, some magic thing or some moment. You just need me. I am the water. And if I say get up, it's time for you to get up. If I say move, it's time for you to move. If I say you're healed, it's time for you to be healed. And if I say you're free, then whom the sun sets free is free indeed. No one else gets to say otherwise. No other authority gets to claim you whom Jesus claims, whom the blood is poured out on, who God says is mine is all his. And Lord, we ask you to claim us and we submit our will to you, Lord. Not our own. And not ourself, but you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've got to be an active participant in God's miracles. And the good news is, Jesus is our miracle. He is our deliverer. He is our forgiveness, and Jesus goes before us. God says, I've come to deliver them. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is our deliverance. And you see what God does with Moses. He's re it's really about us. I mean, look at what God does with Moses' life. Moses was supposed to be killed. The wages of sin is death, but his mother puts him into the water. And you know the name Moses, it means I drew him up out of the Nile. I drew him up out of the water. And what God did with Moses really was for Israel. Yeah. And so all those years later, are you tracking with me? God comes back to Moses and he says, what I did for you. I'm going to do for everyone. What I used you in, I'm going to now use you to bring everyone up out of the water into freedom. I tell you that so that you can understand who Jesus is. Jesus is our true and better Moses. And he is the one that went into the waters of death. But he did not stay buried by death. He came up out of the waters of death with full victory. So that we, as people of Israel, as followers of Jesus, we now get to enter through the waters of death. Not into death, through death. And we have been buried with him. Therefore, we rise with him into brand new life. Jesus is our deliverer. He is our freedom. He is our rest. He is our life. And so when, when God said to Moses, he, he was speaking to us as well. And he says in Exodus 14, 13, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. It wasn't Moses. It was God. And he says, which he will work for you today. Know this, he'll do the work. If you ask and you submit and you stay submitted, he'll do the work. Salvation comes in a moment. Deliverance is a process. But please hear me, if you will submit to the process, he'll do the work that you could not do. And he will lead you into fullness of life, full deliverance, complete healing. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord that he will work for you today. But look at this. When Jesus was on the cross, he said this, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. He will do the work, it's now accomplished. In who? In him, he said, it is 
it's finished. It's finished. And I believe there will come a day in every area of your life where God will pronounce that. He'll pronounce that over you. The work he's doing in areas of your life, they will be finished. The healings that you need, they will be finished. The deliverance that you desire, it will be finished for salvation and deliverance comes into the life of the believer through the power of the blood and the work of his spirit. And it will be accomplished on earth and into heaven. God is our deliverer. We need no one and nothing but him. And he walks us out of sin and he walks us out of bondage. He walks us out of Egypt. And the enemy doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what God is doing. He certainly doesn't have the power. And, and even if it looks like there are times in your moment, moments in time on this journey where you feel trapped, know that God is always working. Because the people of Israel, they come out of Egypt, but they've got mountains around them, valley below them, the water in front of them, and Pharaoh's army behind them, and they said, this is it. We're done, you brought us out here to die. And I don't know if you've ever felt surrounded in your life where things aren't working out. I don't know if you've ever felt like there are mountains of guilt and shame over you, death before you, the enemy behind you. I don't know if you've ever felt in this place where you just felt trapped, you just felt helpless or hopeless or purposeless. I don't know if you've ever felt like you have been in this place where you seem like, but where is God in all of this? Know that God has a plan that is greater than anything else going on planet earth, greater than the plan of the enemy, greater even for the purpose of your life, and that God is not done. He brings his people through, through the water. Can't go over it, can't go under it, can't go around it, so we gotta go through it. And God's so good. He's so good because the enemy, Pharaoh, he thought he won. Just like he thought on the day of Christ's crucifixion, that same spirit thought it won, but it wasn't over till God says it is. And the reality is, even in your darkest moment, there is a light in Zion. And God can bring you through absolutely anything. Even in your darkest days, God has a plan that will turn the world on its head he says, if you have any faith, you can remove mountains. And if you follow him, he can part waters. So even what was supposed to be the end for you, God says, I'll just, I'll use it to bring you into a new promise and into a new land. And he will bring you through it, through mistakes, through misunderstandings, through mysteries. He'll bring you through it all. He promises us in Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. The route to the land that is promised is always through the waters of baptism. Jesus is our deliverance. Jesus is our deliverance. If you look in the story, you just see that Jesus is all over it. Jesus is the staff that was lifted up. That is the cross that was lifted up. The way that was made, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The waters that were parted, Jesus says, I'm the living waters. 
and I'll make the way where there was no way. But do you remember the story that after they went through, the Egyptians followed in, death followed in, tyranny followed in, sin followed in, and God closes the waters on that. Says you are no longer who you were, chased by that old thing, that old self, that old sin. God will crush the forces that are seeking your destruction. He will crush them. And he'll bring you into the freedom on the other side. And this is what, this is the significance of baptism. If you've never been baptized, this is what it's all about. It is a physical sign of a spiritual reality. And it is no longer I who live. I used to be trapped. I used to be in bondage. But then God sent a deliverer. And his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And he walked with me through the waters and he brought me out on the other side and and so when you go into the waters of baptism you are buried with Christ but when you come out you come into resurrection with Christ you're saved in a moment but now begins the process of deliverance and God will be with you every single step of the way Romans 6 4 says we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in new, newness of life. I've got good news for you today. God still delivers. He still delivers. He delivers completely and totally, and he does it every single time that you will ask. He still delivers. Where the enemy intended to steal, kill, and destroy, God intervenes to save, to sanctify, and to deliver. This is what happens in baptism. This is what we celebrate every single Sunday. And please hear me, if you've never been baptized, I believe now is your moment. But if you have been baptized, and I'm gonna preach a mini sermon right here very quickly. If you have been baptized, please know that the water doesn't stop flowing there. But Jesus is the water. And he be, will begin to wash you. Remember, he said to the woman he, uh, at the well, he said, if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. I'm the water that your soul has been searching for. Do you know that the Bible says that God brings his church together as his bride and he washes her by the water of the word. So even as I speak to you right now, every single time the word comes out, it's washing your mind, it's washing your spirit, it's washing your soul. This is why the enemy hates when you read the word because every time you read the word, you get a new shower. And, and you know, you need a shower every day. You get a shower over your mind. You get a shower over your soul. And you begin to realize things. You realize them with your real eyes, your spiritual eyes. You get a brand new perspective. You see things differently. God convicts you and he loves you all in the same moment. And what's happening? You're being washed by the water of the word. A year out, you walk differently, talk differently, live differently, act differently, decide differently. And everyone says, what happened? You say, I can't pinpoint the moment. All I know is I was once trapped and there was guilt and there was shame and there was significant things that hung over my head and, and there was my old self chasing me down and I thought there was death but then I met Jesus and the cross made a way where there was no way and I walked on dry ground it wasn't even difficult I began to walk on dry ground and God took care of those things that I thought were going to take care of me God says no more a definitive line this is my child and as I walk through the water, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm relieved, and I'm changed. So on the other side, I praise and I worship because he did it. He did it.
They say, well, you've really been working on yourselves. No, not really. Not really, because I've tried the self-help, and I've tried the yoga, and I've tried the meditative, and I've tried, I've tried, but it wasn't that. He did it. When I go into worship, he washes me. When I stand before his presence and I pray, he cleanses me. When I plead the blood, he redeems me. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.